I feel like dropping out of university is the biggest insult we can give our parents. <laughs> I agree. They would spontaneously combust. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Not Your Model Minority. We're your hosts, Talassi and Nabila. So today, we wanted to talk about a topic that a lot of po- people can probably relate to, and that is the pressure to pursue post-secondary education in South Asian communities. So specifically, the pressure to go to university, to go to a particular university, and the pressure to pursue specific careers. As most of us know, in South Asian cultures, going to a prestigious university and become a doctor, lawyer, or engineer has always been something that's very heavily encouraged. What we were interested in exploring, though, is how these familial and communal expectations fit into the context of the world today, where we have seen an increase in the cost of education and a lack of corresponding increase in salary and buying power. And we're very excited to discuss this because we have two guests with us today who will be sharing their educational and career journeys with us. Before we get started, I'm going to turn it over to Nabila, who will take us through our land acknowledgement. As we engage in a discussion about post-secondary education today, we want to keep in mind the privilege many of us have had in accessing and benefiting from the current education system, and recognize that this may not necessarily be the case for everyone, especially Indigenous communities in Canada. The intergenerational trauma from residential schools and the long history of mistrust between Indigenous communities and the provincial and federal authorities continues to raise questions about the purpose and value of Western formal education for Indigenous youth. While we believe it is valuable to talk about South Asian experiences around post-secondary education, we should be careful not to have ongoing discussions in a vacuum. With that being said, we want to acknowledge that the land that we're on today is a traditional territory of many nations, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabeg, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples, and is now home to many diverse First Nations, Inuit, and Métis peoples. We also acknowledge that Toronto is covered by Treaty 13 with the Mississaugas of the Credit. So welcome to our guests, Samaya and Himmel, and thank you both for being here today. Can you guys tell us a little bit about yourself, such as what you studied in school and what you're currently doing for work? Thanks for having us. My name is Himel. I'm from the greater Toronto area and I studied engineering. Right now, I'm working at a tech company in a consultant capacity. Thanks for having me. My name is Samaya Ahmed. I'm a Bangladeshi Canadian product designer from Toronto. I graduated with a Bachelor of Arts in Anthropology and I currently operate a small digital design company called Lemonade Stand. So as Talasi touched on, in our generation, there's this pressure to attend university, and that pressure can come from a bunch of different places. For South Asians, family pressures can play a pretty big part of that sometimes. So we're curious to know if you felt that pressure to go to university and whether any of that pressure came from family. So I never felt any direct pressure to attend university or post-secondary. It's something that I always expected of myself. And my parents just always knew I would attend, so they never really put any pressure on me. I don't know if I'd call it pressure. It was almost like a foregone conclusion that I would. I think my path ahead was laid out when I was very young, and it was indoctrinated into me. So when you said that it was kind of just laid out for you by your family, I guess, what what do you mean by that? Did they already decide for you that you would go to university, where you would go, what you would study? Like, what was the discussion around that? Uh, Mostly yes to all of the above. Part of at least the narrative for my parents for themselves was that 
they came to this country for opportunity and uh, education for their kids. And so um, I think part of realizing the success of their migration was contingent upon me going, studying engineering at a reputable school and becoming an engineer. So in terms of that pressure, do you think it partly stems from the fact that our parents and many people of that generation didn't have the opportunity to pursue their own hopes and dreams and they essentially sort of impose their dreams um, onto their children? Yeah, definitely. Our parents uh, came here with the dream of providing us with opportunities that they didn't have. I think part of the first generation immigrant kid experience is to inherit the dreams of your parents. Yeah, and I think it's also, I think a lot of the time, a lot of children of immigrants, we just attribute it to the fact that our parents are obsessed with what other people think and the prestige of the profession that we choose. And I think there is some truth to that, but I think a large part of it is what you said about the fact that children of immigrants, we do inherit our parents' dreams and also the fact that they're afraid, right? They're still sort of in that survival mode where they left their countries for various reasons. Generally, and I think I can generalize here, it was in order to pursue a better life for themselves and their children. So it makes sense that they would want their children to choose a career that would produce the highest probability of success. I mean, I agree with what you guys say, obviously, but I also think the concept of struggle is a huge thing. So our parents, you know, they come to this country or they leave their countries and they do face struggle here. And those careers, those traditional careers like doctors, lawyers, engineers, there's a misconception that they don't really struggle, right? So it's like you go to university, you do your thing, you get good grades, you study hard, and then you graduate and your life is set. I really like that you call that out, Sumai. I think it's like Maslow's hierarchy, right? Where they come from, they're just seeking the coverage of their basic needs, and so those professions cover those. And so, you know, any any other needs that are above that, that's not really taken into account when you're just trying to survive. I think the way that older South Asians, like people of our parents' generation, the way that they perceive success is also multi-layered. Because like Himmel was talking about earlier, you know, feeling the pressure to pursue an education in engineering, I think that partly stems from the fact that, you know, on one hand, It's true that in a lot of South Asian countries, certain professions like engineering and being a doctor, they come with prestige and status that may not necessarily translate to Western countries necessarily. But I think on the other hand, in a lot of South Asian countries, in order to be financially stable and provide for your family, that traditional path to success, quote unquote, going to college and university is sort of a necessity. And it kind of makes sense that people of that generation carry that mindset to them when they immigrate to Canada, because that is the only reality they've known. And also when they come here, they don't have anyone else who can tell them any differently. So it makes sense that they they pass on that mindset to their children as well, I think. A lot of our parents kind of live vicariously through our success, right? So our success is directly mirrored to their success. Right. So it's like so and so's son became a doctor. They're so lucky, you know, oh, you know, they are good parents. They're so successful because their son became a doctor or their daughter became an engineer. It's kind of crazy to think that, you know, our parents self-worth is based off of what we become. I feel like this conversation is turning into like we're all to some degree 
traumatized by our parents impositions on us but this has turned into like a defense i was gonna say because i know we're we're all sympathizing because we're all like the eldest children here too right i think i don't know why but i feel like that also plays a factor in all of this but yeah i i was gonna say like i get it but it's also so toxic you know like that that pressure to fulfill your parents dreams is is like it can have such an impact on your own mental well-being and what you end up doing and i don't know i feel like we have to talk about the other side of the the coin too I mean, to, not to pile on to the, the current side, the opposite side to which you're advocating for, but like even this concept of the self and, you know, this emphasis on individuality, this is a very foreign concept to our parents. There's a reason why, as Sumaya pointed out, our parents are living almost vicariously through us and that the respect that they command within their friends and community circles um, is derived from the larger family unit is because in Eastern cultures and, you know, South Asia, there's a lot of emphasis on the family and not so much on the individual self. And it's almost foreign. It's not even just encouraged, though. It's glorified in our cultures. <laughs> Sacrificing yourself, your own happiness and self-actualization, all of that for your family, not just your family, but your extended family and the community. It's super glorified. That's a good point, what you mentioned about the concept of the self and individuality and independence. All of those values, they're very western concepts that i think are very foreign to a lot of our parents and i think that's probably why they are at such crossroads with their children sometimes because a lot of us are very acquainted with it right um, growing up in western cultures and sometimes that can cause some friction i think to kind of take this a little further and just outside of family and I'm going to go back to you, Samaya. You mentioned that um, you, university is something that you expected of yourself, and therefore your family just kind of knew you were going to university. I guess I, I'm curious because I kind of fall into that same category is like it was never a question for me and not because my parents said it was never a question, but it was just kind of I can't remember when I ever made the decision to go to university because it was just like always there. So I'm curious to know why, like, if you think about it, why was it always just the thing you were going to do? I think um, probably when I was finishing up elementary school, uh, we had like career days and things like that where people would come in. And the reason why my parents never really had an expectation of me is because they knew how determined I was from a young age because I always wanted to or look to achieve that traditional form of success. And to my, my parents to this day tell me, that they never actually worried about me because they knew how determined I was to kind of achieve that success in my head. So I think, yeah, definitely when I was quite young, I knew that I wanted to go to university and that's how I would have the life I wanted. So I think I probably put more pressure on myself than my parents did to succeed. So Samaya, you used a, a very specific phrase in terms of saying that, that you wanted to pursue a traditional form of success. And I guess the question is, how do you define success? And where do you think that that definition comes from? So I think at the time, when I was thinking about these things, um, you know, that traditional form of success was to have like a good job that provides financial security, as well as well being, and as well as opportunities for growth. So my mindset has completely changed since then. Um, you know, entering what I would call the real world, and actually starting to work, um, and be a part of the workforce. 
success has changed for me so much because it's not just necessarily financial well-being and opportunities for growth. It's also my emotional well-being. You know, some people live to work and some people work to live. And I'm one of those people who lives to work. So having a passion in what I'm doing is, I think, my definition of success right now. And going back to the issue of of university degrees and, you know, um, whether you need university degrees to be successful, I think if your definition of success is about being financially stable and being able to provide for yourself, then a university degree is a pathway to success. There was a study done in the US about individuals who, who did get their university degrees versus those who didn't. And the study found that those who held bachelor's degrees earned about $1 million more throughout their lives than people who only had a high school degree, and they were far less likely to be unemployed or underemployed. Can you guys talk a little bit about what your experience was like at university when you got there? Like, How did you feel about the degree that you had chosen to pursue? I'll be honest, I think for the first few years, I was kind of like a a robot or a zombie just following the path that was set out for me and the instructions that were read out to me by my parents. And I was I I was flailing, flailing and failing in university. I, I don't think I had too much opinion about it. I think the realization came afterwards that this isn't something that I was interested in doing, but I was I felt like I was too far in and you know, the sunk cost fallacy. And so I, I bought into it and I saw it through. During it, I think it was very painful. It was very demotivating uh, watching my friends and family members, you know, graduate, sometimes lap me people came out with multiple degrees by the time I just barely got through mine. In the moment, it was difficult. Once I graduated, I think I felt a lot of resentment. But Interestingly, now that I look back, what I studied, um, which is engineering, I think it's given me a competitive advantage in the marketplace, which I didn't expect. So my parents wanted me to go into engineering to become an engineer. I am not an engineer. I will never be an engineer. But having the engineering training, the, the engineering education in my undergrad, it actually, I think it gives me a competitive advantage in the other areas that I try to pursue a career. Um, so when I first, I guess, started university, I was really, I felt like a fish out of water when I got there because it was so big and it was so intimidating and I didn't know what I wanted to study. I just, you know, arbitrarily chose a program and, you know, the most general program I could get into and then started from there. And it took me about two years to actually settle on a major because I was flip-flopping so much and I didn't really have much guidance either. You know, most people, I guess most South Asian people, you know, told me to kind of switch out of uh, social sciences or humanities and kind of pursue something that's more like engineering or maths related. Uh, That way I'd only have to study a few years and work really hard and I'd be successful, (laughs) but it's not what I wanted to do. I literally think I took almost every first year course available to me and finally made the decision that I don't know what I want to be. So I'll just study something and graduate and hopefully I'll figure it out. I'm curious to know, did either of you ever consider dropping out? Because that's something that you know a lot of people do go to college or university and they decide or realize that it's not for them and they leave and, you know, pursue other options. But That was pretty, I think, especially during the time that we went to um, university, I think that's 
very unheard of in our communities. It's just not something that's done. But I'm curious to know whether either of you ever considered it. I think by the time I realized what I wanted to become, I was so far into my degree that dropping out just didn't make sense. So I actually um, graduated late, but early at the same time. I actually don't have a honors degree. I don't have a four-year bachelor's. I have a three years. Because by the time I realized what I wanted to become, I realized that I didn't really need university. I got what I could from university, and I don't regret going to university at all. Um, In fact, what I do actually aligns with my degree a lot. But I knew that the training I would need going forward would not be something that I could get at that time in university. Funnily enough, you can actually get a bachelor's degree in what I do now. Interestingly, I did have academic and guidance counselors during my university tenure who suggested that maybe this program wasn't for me. They pointed to the to my obviously low grades as an indicator that I was disinterested or not as stimulated as I could be. I think this is a callback to our earlier discussion about the damage that the imposition of these expectations does on the generation that grows up here. Weirdly, dropping out was never on the table for me. But in retrospect, I think I would have valued, derived some sort of value from taking a pause or taking a gap year or something. But my identity was so tied up to this education and this the, the degree and my parents' expectations that it never crossed my mind, or at least I never I never entertained it. I feel like dropping out of university is the biggest insult we can give our parents. <laughs> I agree. I don't even know what, what happened if I dropped out of university because my parents, I feel like because they expected so much of me, I put all the pressure on myself. They would spontaneously combust. So Zumaya, you mentioned earlier that you changed your major while you were at university. Did your parents or anyone, your family have a problem with that? I think like some people in the community, when I finally declared my major (laughs) to people, they told me that I I would never get a job. I think that's a very interesting discussion, right? You talked about changing majors. So what prompted you to change those majors, but also land on anthropology at the end? Was What was your thinking in terms of career prospects at the time? So, um, I've always wanted to work at like Google or you know one of the big tech giants, but I didn't want to be an engineer. I just didn't interest me in that way. But as I was kind of going through university, I started learning more about my current career field, which is product design. So things like design thinking and user experience design and user experience research. I did some research and, you know, talked to some people and actually some people talked to me as well and told me that anthropology aligned with that. A lot of things in product design kind of cross over with anthropology. And I had already taken a few anthropology courses by that time and I liked it. It was interesting. I enjoyed going to class and participating in class. So I decided on that as my major because... I knew in the future I wanted to work in some sort of product development or design. So we talked a little bit about your university experiences, thoughts of what you wanted to study, switching majors. So now let's talk a little bit about your post-university experiences. How did you end up in your current job? And what was the process of finding a job like after you graduated from university? Uh, You know, it's an overdone cliche of a quote. Steve Jobs was right when he said, you can only connect the dots of your life looking backwards and never forward. I started working as an engineering project manager, and it was for a telecommunications company, and it was severely boring. 
I did notice though that certain natural skills that I had and strengths that I always had, was always aware of, but never really focused on, helped me build really deep and meaningful relationships. And I realized that that was my communication skills, my interpersonal skills, my ability to empathize and understand understand a client's needs and not be afraid to get a little technical, even if I'm not super technically adept in whatever topic. Um, And so I realized that these were natural skills that helped me stick out from the technical pack. Um, It just so happened to be that I ran into a recruiter and I kept in touch with him. And over time, um, I think like eight months or nine months after we met, he mentioned that there was a position that really fit my personality. And, you know, the rest is history. and, And I joined that firm. My old boss, he one day sat me down. And he told me that a lot of things in my career are going to be an outcome of being in the right place at the right time and sheer dumb luck. So that's kind of how a lot of my career has actually progressed. At my graduation, actually, um, I was sitting there and I was on my phone and I was looking through Instagram and I saw an ad for a rotational program at the bank. It it was a rotational program that had opportunities to kind of explore the side of design and that I wanted to explore. So I applied to that while I was sitting at my graduation (laughs) and I got the job and I was there for a year and then I actually got hired on by a team and the team really gave me a lot of creative freedom and they just wanted me to grow. They just wanted me to, I told them what I wanted to do with my life and they just said, we're going to keep you on and we just want you to grow and you need to kind of, you know, spread your wings and anything you want to do, anything you want to explore within reason, you can do that here. And I was really lucky in that regard because I was paid to essentially discover, you know, my passions. There came a point where I was like, okay, I think it's time for me to go to design school to kind of learn the more technical side of design and things that I can't necessarily teach myself. At that point, I decided to leave my job and I pursued design school. I graduated design school and I was having difficulty finding work for a junior level designer. So I started just doing uh, websites on the side and doing design on the side for people I knew. And that kind of grew into my own product design business. And now um, it's been over a year since, and I'm just continuing with that. Unfortunately, the pandemic sucks for a lot of people, but there is a silver lining for me in it, which is that I've been able to grow as a designer and start my own business. So what I'm hearing is that neither of you are really doing something that you studied necessarily. The question I have for you is, do you feel like you needed your university degree to be doing what you're doing right now? From a qualifications on paper standpoint, to get into my current job, a requirement was to have a bachelor's. So yes, in terms of what I do in my day to day, no. I don't necessarily think I needed my degree. I think it's very useful, but the experience of my degree And kind of going through those trials and tribulations and trying to figure out who I am and what I want to do really helped get me where I am today. Um, I think the thing that a lot of people don't recognize or have difficulty reconciling is that you don't really need a degree to do what you want to do. As Sumaya's story has pointed out, a lot of people in UX, not everybody has a formal education in this thing uh, because there's a lot of alternative ways to gain that education. 
right now it's the age of the internet. You can literally learn almost anything if you put in the time and the effort. The thing that not everybody recognizes is that all you really need these days is to find something that you're super passionate about. Over these last two decades, right, Silicon Valley has shown us that you don't need an MBA or a business degree to become a, a startup success. You need you need the right idea at the right time. Like Sumaya said, a lot of it is luck. Um, you need the persistence and the perseverance, uh, but you don't need the degree. Nowadays, there are so many jobs where there are so many careers that didn't exist 10 years ago. And to be honest, what I do in my day to day, I'm constantly learning. Uh, week over week, month over month, I'm constantly learning because I'm in a space that I never studied anything in. Um, and so that just goes to show like, sure, the degree gets your foot in the door because, you know, nowadays it's the entry level like access, but um, everything else comes from within and you don't need a degree for that. You just need that hustle. So going off of what you were just saying about your job, your company requiring you to have a degree in order to get your foot in the door, a lot of other companies are just like that, where it's not necessarily a specialization that they're looking for. They may, but for most traditional jobs, they're looking for you to just have a university degree. And I wonder what kind of impact that has on our generation, on millennials particularly. Based on studies that have been done, our generation, so millennials, are actually the most educated generation there's there's ever been. What I read was that 70% of, of individuals that are between 30 to 34 right now have some sort of post-secondary education. And yet, what the studies have also found is we're one of the most lost generations. We don't know what to do with these degrees, you know, and I think it's it's the fact that we're kind of stuck in this a traditional mentality where you need a university degree. But at the same time, there are all of these jobs out there and things you can do in careers that don't require you to have a degree. And there's other pieces to that, you know, we're also the generation of we're a lot more conscious about work life balance and mental well being that probably goes into that. But I find it very interesting in terms of like, I, I feel like our feelings of feeling lost might also come from this traditional idea of university education that's forced on us, not only by our families as South Asians, but in terms of the current economy. I remember from like an HR perspective, from when I worked in HR, you know, I asked somebody, why are we always looking for people who just like, why are we just looking for a degree? And this person who was an older individual who I guess had a more traditional mindset was like, we look for a degree because it shows commitment. Okay, that makes me just ask the question. If every company out there is going to ask you for a university degree just to show commitment, I think universities should be free. Like, we shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg just to prove that we're committed enough to get a job. I don't think necessarily every company thinks that way, but there are a lot of people who think that way. And like, you know, now more recently, you know, there are so many different avenues of learning, right? When we first started university, online learning was like the new big thing, but now it's a norm. So there's so many things like if you want to learn data science, you could do a boot camp, right? That's three months long rather than do a four-year degree and you can learn the basics and then kind of turn to self-learning to guide you further. Right. And that, I think, shows a lot of commitment when you're doing self-guided learning because you're responsible for yourself at that point. How do your your family feel about what you're doing right now? My parents don't understand what I do. They don't care. 
what they appreciate is that I got an engineering degree so that they can tell their friends that their son is an engineer. Um, my parents, similar to Himmel, my parents don't really completely understand what I do. They're happy I got a degree. <laughs> um, they're happy that I have a job, but it's not a traditional career field that they understand completely, but are slowly understanding that it is a viable career choice. Okay, so both of you guys talked a little bit about whether you felt your university degree was worth it, um, but you mostly discussed it from the perspective of whether it was ultimately valuable to the current career that you have. Um, I'm guess I'm curious to know whether you feel it was worth it in a, in a broader sense, and I know that's sort of a very broad question, but just in terms of you know the fact that the cost of tuition has gone up significantly over the years. I read a study that found that the average cost of tuition for 2021 will be $6,580. So for a four-year program, that's about $26,320. And I found another study that said that millennials are facing a debt drag of about 250% of their income levels today. So the reality is, like we were talking about earlier, for a lot of people, university education is valuable. And for other people, they felt that it may not necessarily have benefited the ultimate career that they chose or didn't enjoy it. So that combined with the fact that the cost of education has gone up so significantly, students are graduating with so much debt, a lot of millennials can't afford to buy a home. In the context of all of these different factors, do you feel that university education is ultimately worth it? I probably sound like I'm very resentful and I'm like ungrateful and all this and that, but I'm not. I live a very privileged life. I think when it comes to the question about whether the degree was worth it, success, however you define it. In my case, I'm defining it as being able to be free and live on my own. It can be achieved in a variety of different ways. There's multiple ways to get to the same destination. And I think that my degree has afforded me this privilege. Could I have come here, gotten here, or a similarly equivalent position through other channels, i.e. not through university? Probably. But the effort that would have taken to get my foot into the door of this market would have been potentially exponentially harder. But I think the degree is kind of your, uh, you got to pay to play, right? And it's the entry ticket to getting in. And so, um, yes, it was expensive. Yes, I've got a lot of debt from it. No, I didn't study something that I felt very in tune with. No, I'm not doing anything that's really relevant to what I studied. But it was my my ticket in. And at the end of the day, that's kind of what our parents wanted for us, right? So, um, you know, just to call back to what I said earlier, we live in the age of the internet. You can generate revenue in a million different ways, leveraging the internet. It's a privilege that our parents and even our generation didn't really have coming up. But um, that I think that's the value that my degree has given me. What I found surprising is Coming into the episode, or I think around the planning of this episode, I was like, it really sucks to be a millennial because we have so much debt and can't afford anything. But I was reading up a, st uh, reading a study comparing our generation to previous generations, and we have higher incomes and assets than the previous generation. And in terms of income and education, we're in a better place. Than, than the previous generation. 
And I mean, that kind of begs the question in terms of like, why are we so unhappy? Am I just assuming that? I feel like a lot of millennials are just like unhappy. We are known as the complaining generation. The snowflakes. I read this article that millennials are the generation that is most likely to put the most insane amount of pressure on themselves. So whether that be jobs or schools. That makes sense to me. I think what I've come to realize is, I mean, I definitely put the pressure on myself to study and get a degree and, you know, have a a career, a viable career. But in my 20s, despite having achieved those things, I was constantly unhappy because I was constantly looking for other things or trying to be like perfect in other areas. Like once I was like making money, it wasn't enough. I was like, you know, am I uh, saving to to buy a house? Am I taking care of myself, like eating well? Because I was constantly like ordering out for I wasn't cooking for myself. I was spending way too much money. I wasn't exercising and all of these things kind of just like I, I think this is something that happens in our generation where it isn't just about the job and the career. It's about like having all other parts of your life just like perfectly aligned. I don't know if it's unique to us. I think it's a new phenomenon. I mean, I think people have always been unhappy, like since the beginning of time. But I think this whole, you know, pursuing mental well-being and m- making sure you take care of your mental health and all of these things and the pressure that comes along with it, you know, not only to actually make sure that you're taking care of yourself, but also that you should have that in order to in addition to making money, like you should make sure that you take the time to exercise and you're taking care of your mental health, and that you're spending time with your family and friends. That's not just something that is put on people in terms of that they should prioritize that, but it's an expectation in addition to all the other expectations, right? So I think, Uh, Going back to what Nabila, you were saying earlier about how millennials seem more happy, I think maybe, maybe I'm wrong about this. I don't know. But maybe there are some additional pressures for this generation in terms of uh, in terms of having it all. And also, I do think that we just talk about it more. I think previous generations maybe practice stoicism a little bit more. I think talking about your mental health is very encouraged. Now, I think that's a good thing. For the most part, sometimes they can make us sound very privileged and whiny. Also, I acknowledge that. But I think the expectation and pressure to sort of have it all figured out is a little heightened now. But I don't know. I could be wrong about that. Final question to you guys. Are you happy? I'm grateful. Yes, I'm grateful for the life I live. Not Your Model Minority is hosted by Nabila Khan and Talasi Kandia. Special thanks to Himmel Kandiker, Simran Dillon, and Kunal Tandon for helping us produce this podcast. Our theme music is by Pink Marble. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NYMM Podcast. You can also visit our website, notyourmodelminority.ca, to subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice, such as Apple or Spotify, as well as find accessible versions of our episodes. Thanks for listening.